Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage in the Madison area. We're really excited about our guest today. He is a strength coach within our state with one of our universities. But before we bring him on, I'm going to bring my co-host on, Coach Dean Manchie over at Kimberly. Coach, it's raining over there. How are we doing over there? Everything good? Yeah, we got a lot of rain, some thunder, but I think it's going to be uh, very short-lived and uh, super excited. Got one of my friends on. And obviously, Brian, you have met him as well. But um, Zach and I go way back. He started out uh, way in his beginning years, uh, did a little short stint at North Fond du Lac. And I remember Coach Mike Dressler, who was a Fond du Lac football coach, and he also coached the throws at uh, Fond du Lac High School back in the day, uh, gave me a call one time. He said, hey, I got this guy. He's really eager to learn. You mind if we come on up there and talk shop? And uh, I just remember that first day. And that's been a long time ago, Zach, and uh, we continue to stay in touch. We're bouncing ideas, and he's going to talk about his path. It's a lot different than mine. I've stayed, obviously, at the same high school, but Zach has had many different experiences, and we continue to grow. And I think many times as mentors, we always think of you know coaches that we talk to, and Brian, we got lots of them out there. And we brought some of them up on the podcast already, but usually they're older. And now we're getting a little more experienced. With, uh, you know, a great word, experience versus older. <laughs> I like that term a lot better. And, uh, you know, Zach's one of my mentors. and We're constantly talking shop, just like yourself and I. And we always come together. And the best part about going to clinics is developing those relationships and learning from each other. And Zach is, is younger. And um, I continue to learn things every day from him. And that's the best part about what we do, all the strength and conditioning coaches. And, it's great to be up early in the morning because this is what we do. So we're all strength coaches. So excited to get this thing rolling, Brian. Well, I'm really excited to bring Zach Ruck on, the, the head strength and conditioning coach at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. And, and I would second. I'm very excited to, to talk with Zach for a little bit, um, you know, just get some perspective on, on how he's done his things there. He's been a lot of different places. So, Zach, um, are you over there? Yep, I'm here. Ready to roll. Awesome. So Zach, why don't you just, uh, as you know, because uh, I know you're a, you're a listener to our podcast, which we definitely appreciate. Um, if you just share a little bit about yourself and where you've been and, and kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, for sure. First off, thanks guys. Again, I think your podcast is killing it. So keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate that. Um, so originally, um, Zach Rook, Head Strength Performance, I should say, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Uh, originally grew up in Monroe, Wisconsin, so South Madison. I was a cheesemaker growing up. I uh, did my undergrad at UW-Lacrosse um, while I was there, you know, really went the coaching route, was coaching a lot of high school sports as I was there, went the teaching route as well, uh, physical education, health education. Um, strength world was always kind of in the back of my head that I knew I loved, but at the time, you know, high school sports were a really big passion of mine. So I did a lot of coaching football, baseball. Uh, I coached powerlifting, uh, helped out with strength conditioning at a local high school there at Lacrosse Logan. Um, great experience there. Um, graduated my undergrad, um, went into the teaching world, North Fond du Lac High School or middle school and high school as you go through it. Uh, taught middle school physical education, health, uh, coached football there for many years, uh, coached track and field, coached baseball, was the director of strength and conditioning there for everybody seven through 12. Um, great experience, but it, you come to a time when I enjoyed what I was doing after school much more than I was doing during school. And so I figured it was now or never. I uh, wanted to go back and do my master's degree. Had the opportunity to do that at University of Minnesota. At the same time, I volunteered uh, in their athletic department as an under, or as a graduate intern. Um, worked with some outstanding coaches there. Learned a ton as I went through that. Uh, at the same time, worked in the private sector at Velocity Training Center over there. Uh, training a lot of hockey athletes, everything from high school to NHL players. 
Um, great experience. I went through it. Also, the opportunity while I was in Minnesota to uh, take a position with the Colorado Rockies, you know, Colorado Rockies organization. Um, worked on spring training with all the different levels. Eventually, um, got assigned to developmental low A level. And I always remember the reasoning behind it. They're like, Zach, we could put you at a bunch of different levels, but you're such a teacher that this is going to be the best, most impactful level for you. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I had no problem with it. Uh, the guys I was working with on anywhere from 19 years old to 24 years old as you go through it, very, very much an age where we can have a ton of impact. So honestly, it's very similar to the level I'm working at right now uh, from the age group that I'm dealing with. Um, finished up that uh, season in, uh, in baseball, great experience. Um, you start to figure out a time though, at that point in my life, where you're ready to settle down a little bit more and kind of stay in one area a little bit more. And the baseball world isn't always conducive to that. Um, went back, uh, picked up a teaching position in uh, Minnesota in the Twin Cities, taught at actually an exceptional ability school in the Twin Cities for kids who are basically off the charts smart. Um, I learned more in that six months teaching at that school than I probably learned in the last three years teaching um, in North Island. Like It was an unbelievable experience. Those kids were amazing. Uh, also, the opportunity to be the um, head strength coach for the track and field program at the high school level there, a great experience as well. Uh, opportunity opened up at UW-Eau Claire, um, uh, applied for the position. Uh, basically became the first uh, head strength coach in UW-Eau Claire history as you go through it. Um, so we're in year four right now. Uh, we oversee the development of over 800 athletes in 25 sports um, with a staff of three of us as we go through it. Um, great experience. And it's uh, it's been a constant developmental growth program um, over the last several years and wouldn't trade it for anything. Zach, that's, you know, that's an incredible bio there with tons of different experiences. And I just remember as you were just talking about that, when I did my internship down at University of Wisconsin-Madison under John Detman, and then obviously Brian had a long stint there over 13 years at, with UW Badgers working with their football program. I just remember strength and conditioning was just starting to, to, to be a job, you know, and there was very little pay in it. And it was just one of those things that was just starting. And I just remember, you know, John Detman, who I worked for, said, you know, this is going to be a, a, an, an increasing field. And it's awesome that all the universities have strength and conditioning coaches. And now, you know, I'm at the high school level and there's strength and conditioning coaches, at least somebody in a weight room, you know, currently that's, that's helping athletes, you know, decrease their chance of injury and increase their athletic performance. So that's just great for the profession of strength and conditioning. So that's awesome. Uh, you're at all these different levels. So what do you see out there? You know, what, what did the best do? at all these levels. I mean, you've been in major league baseball, high school, you know, what are some of the traits or characteristics that the best athletes do that you've seen? You know, that's the really fun thing about this guys is at all the different levels I've seen the best consistently do the small things, right? They really do. It's pretty cool. You know, I think back all the way back, Dean, when, when you and I first met, and I know you remember that day and I actually do too, by the way, I still have the yellow legal pad that's like written all over it with answers to questions and all that stuff. Um, and I'll never forget it, standing in your old Kimberly weight room up on the upper level um, with where all the machines were and stuff. And I remember oh, yeah. you pointed out to me a guy down on the lower level. Um, that guy just happened to be AJ Klein at that time. And I remember you pointed him out to me and you said, you know, that's a guy who's going with a chip on his shoulder to Iowa State and he's ready to roll and he's going to do some damage and he's going to do all these things. But he's down there doing his Hartzell hip series, you know, with his bands. And he's doing all this as extra work. This is all the extra work that he's doing to make sure his body is prepared well. And it's really funny to think back at that and think, I mean, AJ has been a guest on your podcast now with the saints and the Buffalo bills and all that stuff. And I mean, that's the reality of it is he did the small things, right. When I was at Minnesota, um, you know, uh, in the summer women's hockey team wasn't training as a full team yet, but there was uh, one young lady who was coming in every day. She'd be there, you know, early seven 30 AM. Uh, she'd be doing all this prehab work, all this stuff. 
Um, then she'd go through her full training session in the morning. We do all this recovery work. At, by the time she's done, she was there four or five hours most days. You go through it five days a week, taking care of things. And about two weeks in, I realized who she was. Well, she was actually the captain of the women's U.S. Olympic hockey team. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a big deal. You can see why she's doing those things. And then when I go to the professional level, what do I see is, you know, I get down there for spring training. It's January. Technically, you know, players don't have to be there yet. Um, it's like 530, 530 at one night on a, like a Tuesday night. Um, guy comes in, long-haired guy, and just starts rolling out, hitting all this mobility stuff as he goes through. I just start talking with him. I don't know him. I, honestly, I probably should have known his name at that time, but I didn't. But I started just talking with him as you go through it and learning about it. And he said, yeah, my wife and kids, you know, we just got off the plane. They head to our spring training house and kind of, you know, do dinner and all that stuff. But if I don't get my body right tomorrow, when I step into the facility, I'm not going to feel right. My arm's not going to feel right. I'm not going to be able to hit the way I need to in the cage. I just got to make sure I get this stuff taken care of right when he gets here. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Turns out the guy's, you know, now a five-time all-star makes $14 million a year. You know, you can see why he's been in the league like 14 years as you go through it. Like every level I've been at, it's the people who do the little things right, who are the most consistent performers. You know, we like to say here in Eau Claire is how you do some things is how you do all things. Okay. Yes. How you do some <laughs> things. It really is true. And I stole it from somebody. So don't get me wrong. Like I'm not creating this. Right. By any but you know, how you do some things is how you do all things. You know, are, are you willing to make the sacrifice to get the extra sleep at night? Because you know, it's going to benefit your performance tomorrow. Because if you're willing to do that, I can almost guarantee you're willing to do those extra steps and some other things as well. And it's always fun as a coach when you see you, those people who really do legitimately do the small things every single day and you see the massive progress they make. And just, I mean, like strength coach perspective, you got a D lineman who takes 47 snaps on Saturday and comes in and hits PRs during the week during his list because why? He does everything you ask him to do and he does everything goes out of his way to do those little things. Um, you know, it's the guys who are the flash in the pans, the guys who have, you know, two good games and they drop off big time who are just very inconsistent oftentimes with their habits. It's not that it's not in them but it's just, they're not doing those right things every single day to continue that progress as you go through. You know, Zach, I remember that day, you know, up on that balcony with AJ Klein, and it brings me back another situation. Brian came up from Madison one time and we were going over some things in the wrestling room and I used AJ as a demonstrator and uh, he was doing, he was doing the band routine mm -hmm. and, you know, and he was just in there and he was sweating and, you know, most kids go through a, a mobility, you know, flexibility type of routine. And it's, you know, it's 50%. It's kind of go through the motions, kind of get it done. And I remember Brian said, this guy's not right. You know, he, he's just doing this routine and it, it's, it, it's 12 minutes and he's ringing. What I tell, I tell our athletes this story all the time, Brian. And, you know, this is just what he did and think, you know, this is year nine in the NFL. And you know, we had AJ on it. He'll tell you, he's not a freak athlete. But his work ethic and just doing all those little things really adds up. And, and that's great advice. Well, and I think too that that statement, that's that's something that we have on our wall at my Wanakee gym. And it's it's a mission statement of our of sports advantage. How you do anything is how you do everything. And I like you took it from someone who I'm sure claims it as their own, yeah. but definitely took it from some, you know, it's just one of those things, those, those messages that is, it applies to everything in your life. That's the thing that athletes, I don't think the, the, the athletes who don't really make the connection is everything we're teaching you in the weight room applies to your life. Everything that we're teaching you on the field applies to your life. It, it all comes around. And I just, I love that message, Zach. I think it's, it's something um, really good. You know, Brian, and you know, as coaches, we're, we steal, we steal information. You know, it's one of the reasons why we're doing, or we share. We Some share. Yeah, we yeah. share. 
But, you know, that's what idea. That's why we came up with this podcast, right. you know, because the conversations that you and I have and Zach and I have and, you know, all of our coaching friends and this, why not share that information out to everybody? Because ultimately it's going to help all the coaches out there, athletes and the parents that are listening. So, so Zach, you know, from a performance standpoint as a leader, and, and these are, you know, this is one that I'm really interested in for, for me as well as, as a leader of an organization. Um, like give our listeners that are in leadership roles, um, you know, something they can do to give their team, their organization, you know, their staff, you know, a competitive advantage, maybe something that, that you do for your staff um, to kind of set yourself apart from everybody else, because everybody's, you know, everybody's teaching, you know, recovery, everybody's teaching sleep, we're, you know, all that other stuff. Is there something that you guys do your, or that you do for your staff to give you guys a competitive advantage over some of the other staffs out there? And I think the biggest thing when we think about this is how do you gain a competitive edge? And this, this goes back to all the different servant leadership concepts. This goes back to all these different things, you know, that people talk about from a leadership perspective, but ultimately it comes down to how are you an asset to your team? How are you helping your team? And I think whatever your team's goal is, like, it doesn't matter again, you know, if it's, it's Brian, your business, or if it's a team sports setting or whatever it maybe is, how are you helping your organization achieve the goal that your organization sets out to achieve? You know, it's great to have the signs, the models, the mantras, but this has to come to action in real life. So from an athlete perspective, okay, let's just take athletes, for instance, to start it off with, you know, how are you supporting and serving those teammates? You know, oh, I'm working as hard as I can to get the job done. Well, that's great. You know, washing machines work really hard too. So what are you doing to impact other people on your team? Okay. How are you doing these things right? How are you helping them achieve more as you go through it? You know, uh, like one really great example from an athletics perspective, I think from team sport setting, and this happens, you know, at the college level, just as much as it happens at the high school level, injuries happen, all right? People go down, you know, things happen during a season. It doesn't matter what sport it is. You know, coaches sometimes will come up with an idea, you know, they're sitting in their coaches meetings and say, hey, what if we switched so-and-so to this position? You know, athletes, when coaches bring up that idea to you, that is the ultimate compliment in my mind, because they see potential in you to help the team fill a role that right now is an open position. Or is this something that you could benefit or bump up the level of their organization because they see that in you? Now, potential is a dangerous word because potential means you haven't done anything yet. But it's, I think, the ultimate compliment because coaches are actually seeing you in a position or maybe seeing something in the future that you don't see yet. So are you willing to do that to step up to help your team in that scenario? You know, coaches, if you're an assistant role, how are you helping the head coach achieve that vision of what the organization is trying to do? Are you doing the technology stuff that coaches are struggling with? Are you setting up? Are you tearing down? Are you having those extra conversations with your players, making sure you're building relationships so they understand those things and figuring out how you can help your players? Because all of that creates you being an asset to your organization. From a strength coach perspective, if all I'm worried about is somebody's squat or jump or sprint numbers, I'm missing the boat, right? I'm completely missing the boat. Am I having those conversations with the sport coach on a daily basis of, hey, where's the team at? Hey, where are we at? How are we feeling? What's motivation like? How can we adjust things? How can we create the environment that you're trying to create so we can be an asset to your program? And that's where every sport can't be treated the same as we go through it because every sport has individual needs as you go through it. And this is just talking about how we react and how we interact with other groups and communicate with groups is you have to identify what the needs are of the organization. And then how can I be a benefit to that organization as we go through? Zach, you know, how do you create that internal motivation amongst, you know, coaches and athletes? Because, you know, obviously all three of us are very self-driven. You know, we're constantly growth mindset. We're trying to get better all the time, but not everybody's wired that way. So what are some things that, you know, you 
or advice or things that you do maybe that uh, can help with some of that, you know, internal motivation. So internal motivation is the number one thing that's going to help a person succeed. Let's be real, right? As coaches, we can only bring people along. It's up to them. But at the same time, when we, when I've gone through all the different places I've been through and, and really this part really started to pique my interest. So this is actually what I did my master's thesis on was the theory, basically self-determination theory, if you're familiar with it. And self-determination theory is the basis of creating internal motivation in people. And it comes down to three factors. And I learned them as three different words, but uh, these are the three that stuck out in my mind and the way I remember it is care, competence, and choice. Okay. So when we have these three things, these are the three things that are going to create the level of internal motivation for a person to achieve greater things. Starting off with care. When we look at care, this is where the old adage is, you know, they don't know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? You have to build those relationships. So how are you creating a culture of inclusivity? You know, from a strength coach perspective, we have a ton of communication groups. I meet with leaders. We make sure we're ha having these discussions. You know, I'm sending out fun stuff from on a daily basis, like breaking down walls, showing them that you're a person, all those types of things. How are you building those relationships? You know, if you're a player leader on your team, how are you building relationships with the younger players in your team at your position, whatever it may be? How are you showing them you care? Okay. Second thing is competence. Now, coaches, this comes second nature to us, right? Competence, we are teaching competence and exercise skills, movements, um, drills on the field. We're trying to create a basic level of skill competence. Because if a person doesn't feel competent in what they're doing, why are they going to try and do more of it? So as coaches, that's what we need to do. And the same thing goes from this standpoint of, how are we creating competence in the social dynamic as well? Are we helping those leaders on our team coaches develop those relationship skills to develop those lead, to be able to lead those people on their team? So competence can come physically, it can come socially, it can come emotionally as well. How are we creating those competent skills? And the last part is choice. Okay, when we look at choice, how are we giving people ownership in our program to make choices on their own in order to help them succeed? You know? Um, here's a random question, you know, strength coach question, front squat or back squat, like which one's going to benefit you more? Well, it depends on the person, probably the situation, probably the sport, maybe some of those different things as you go through it, there's a lot of variables that can work, but what if one person feels really, really good doing the back squat and maybe their front squat, they're not as comfortable with, what if we give them the choice? You know, oftentimes as we look at these different settings, there's certain things that are going to work better for other people. Now, I'm not saying we give choices in everything we do, but we have to give them ownership of their program. When you give a person ownership of it, they're much more likely to have a higher level of internal motivation. You know, assistance, think of like head coaches. Do you give your assistants some autonomy in programming or in planning practice or creating drills or in strategy scheme? Like for us to think that we can do everything for everyone is, it isn't realistic. And when you give those people ownership in your program, however you do that, you're gonna create a higher level of internal motivation. So the three C's we call them, care, competence, and choice, that are the biggest three things that are gonna help create a level of internal motivation. I love that. I've been taking notes just so you know, the whole time. This is, this is awesome, Zach. Um, so we're talking about coaches, you know, you talk about sport coaches and, and things like that. I think you said you guys have 25 sports, correct? Correct. Um, so, you know, this is, this is going to be a really good question for a lot of our, our strength coaches that are at, you know, various levels where they're working with multiple sports. Um, it's going to be great for our high school coaches as well that are working with athletes that play multiple, you know, multiple sports in their high school. Um, mm -hmm. What are some ways to create that collaboration between the strength staff, you know, communication between the coaches and, you know, sport coaches, because as we know, you know, strength coaches have the, you know, the way that they like to do things, right. How we want to train our athletes. Usually sport coaches are great with everything until it's in season. We got a big game coming up, 
know what I mean? And it's, we got to, you know, we got to back, you know, everybody gets nervous, which is normal, which is completely normal. We're not, that, that happens at every level. It happens at the youth level, happens at, you know, the college level, probably happened yesterday for a lot of people getting nervous. Um, how do you create that collaboration and communication work to get everybody on the same page? That's a, that's a huge, that's always a huge issue in strength and conditioning and working with coaches. So how do you, how do you guys do that at Eau Claire? So first off, when we think of performance and we title ourselves in our department, strength and performance, because I've never been a big fan of the word conditioning. Cause all that makes me think of is people throwing up, uh, you know, after they did running and things like that. Ultimately it's, it's about performance, right? And so when we think of this, I think of this as a high performance team and our high performance team consists of our sport coaches, obviously our sports medicine staff, our ATs, our, uh, ourself as a, as a strength coach. And it also includes the athlete as well. And when we figure out how we can collaborate, the number one thing I can tell you is the higher level you go doesn't necessarily mean the collaboration is higher. Okay. Some places, yes, hundred percent. Yes. Some places, no, there can still be big divides and there can still be walls and barriers to communication. Biggest thing for us, and it doesn't matter, I don't care what role you're in, biggest thing is, is to tear down those walls and create lines of communication. You need to figure out how to best communicate with the other people on that team. You know, when I was at the, you know, the highest level in professional baseball, we met twice a day. Um, our, our supervisor, our manager, our pitching coach, our hitting coach, our athletic trainer, myself, we met two times a day, once in the early afternoon, once after game, post game. Everyone was on the same page with every single person as we had that roster. Okay. We knew exactly where we were going knew exactly what the plan was for the following day. We were ready to roll and we had the overall plan for the season as we went through it that way. Outstanding scenario. Also, if we had questions, we're texting each other. I mean, shoot, I lived with my athletic trainer at the time. We were roommates together. That helped tremendously. I lived with our clubhouse guy too, which helped even more than that. All right. There's a lot of things that can benefit as you go through when the lines of communication are open. So figure out how those people in those different roles really enjoy, or really, I should say, uh, benefit from communication, how, what methods work best for them. You know, some people are really good texters. You know, some people are awful at texting. You know, some people just rather have a phone call. Um, you know, at Eau Claire, I love where my office is right now. It's right around the corner from our weight room. Um, but it's right on the corner of a main hallway where kind of like a T intersects and everybody basically that comes into our building walks by my office. As we go through it. So the number of sport coaches or AT staff, I have stopped in my office on a regular basis. It's outstanding. Okay. It's outstanding. And that's the biggest part is you need to make yourself available. And, but well, coach, I haven't talked to my AT in a while. They just sit down in their office, blah, blah, blah. Well, well what are you doing then? You know, are, are you not going down and instigating that conversation you need? And I say instigating in a good way, not in a bad way, but are you initiating that conversation? Are you going and seeking people out to communicate? All right. That is the biggest thing. And the same thing goes for athletes. Athletes, are you going out and initiating conversation with your athletic training staff? You'd be amazed how much athletic training staff can do to help you perform at a high level from recovery modalities, from different things that you can do pre-practice, post-practice. It's an awesome scenario when you have that line of communication open. You know, same thing with your sport coaches, uh, you know, athletes with your teachers, you know, are you creating a line of communication? You know, one of our, uh, one of our head coaches has a great saying, and I stole it from him the first year I was here. The world is for the askers. Okay. The world is for the askers. The world is for the people who go out and initiate conversation and communication. If you don't initiate the conversation and communication, well, what's going to happen? You know, uh, you know, coach Tressler uh, always used to say, right. Well, what's the worst that happens? They say, no. Okay. Well, cool. There you go. That's the worst thing that happens. I think we're going to be in a decent spot, you know, um, but doors don't open unless you communicate. So that, you know, every single different level has its own struggles with communication, but ultimately it has to be us. We have to own our communication skills with other people on that performance team. Cause otherwise the only thing that never negatively gets affected is our athletes and our performance. And nobody wants that. Hey Zach, a lot of our kids, you know, I get frustrated as a high school strength and conditioning coach because a lot of our kids 
you know, they, a lot of them have that division one dream, you know, they want to go play at that highest level. And, and then it gets to the point that, you know, that, that dream's unattainable and then they have to make a choice. Do I want to go to a division three level and, and play, you know, and, and put the work in to, to be part of something that it's not going to benefit me financially, but obviously all the other awards and reaps and benefits of doing college athletics is something that I don't think a lot of high school kids understand, um, you know, the difference, you know, Brian went to UW Oshkosh, had an incredible experience, you know, under coach Lechner playing baseball, not only had team success, but I mean, you have friendships forever, you know, and the lifelong lessons that you get. So what is, what does an athlete, you know, expect if they're going to play at the D3 level? So first off, I know, I mean, again, I can speak a little bit to when I was in Minnesota, Brian, obviously you have a ton of experience at, at Wisconsin for the division one level. Um, from a daily schedule, um, as we look at the difference between division one and division three, there might be some small differences, but honestly, the daily schedule was pretty close. I think, I think the biggest differences, honestly, were like transport or, uh, transportation, you know, travel schedules and stuff, depending on where you're playing and probably the nutritional support as we go through it. And the amount of contact you have with your coaches might be the three biggest differences. But as you think about like at the division three level, like in season, like let's say for one of our fall sport athletes right now. You know, typically we try to keep our, our, our strength and performance training sessions in the afternoon for uh, in-season sports, but it doesn't always happen. You know, some groups have huge numbers and class schedules are crazy, so we have to do them in the morning. But typically you're looking at, you know, let's say you're doing a morning workout, a morning training session, you know, between 6 and 8 a.m., uh, going, to, going to breakfast, having class or schoolwork until like 8 to, you know, 8 to 2, basically. Um, have meetings, pre-practice prep, training rooms time as well, and then going to practice for a couple hours you know, post-practice going to the training room and getting um, different things taken care of dinner somewhere between like six 30, seven 30, probably. And then schoolwork at night as you go through it. Um, that's kind of a typical in-season daily schedule, obviously dependent on travel and things like that. Sometimes you're traveling and leaving in the middle of the day and things like that for games. Um, you know, typically in season from a training perspective, we work anywhere from, from one to three training sessions per week, depending on schedule and number of events you have that week and things like that. Um, off-season daily schedule is going to look very similar minus your afternoon practice time. But at the same time, if you are a fall sport or a spring sport athlete, you're going to have a non-traditional season. So non-traditional seasons are typically three to four days a week of practice for four to six weeks, depending on your time frame um, of how that looks. Um, so that's going to be typically in the like in the fall, like baseball, softball, lacrosse. Like we have a, a fall ball season. And then for football, volleyball, soccer, we have um, a spring ball season as you go through it. So where you're training and practicing and doing all those things at the same time. Um, Off-season training sessions, we're looking at three to four training sessions per week. Um, as we go through it, um, we keep everything on an individual sport basis. So you train with your team basically year round um, as you go through it from that standpoint. Um, everybody at Eau Claire is programmed 52 weeks a year as you go through it. Um, so when you go home for the summer, you'll have, you know, your whole full program all the way through the summer and progress accordingly. Um, you know, and, and summer, some athletes that stay in town, they'll do athlete organized groups and things like that where they'll come into our facility at the same time. Uh, but otherwise training occurs on their own at home as they go through it. So coach, um, like I'm a, I'm a new athlete. So I'm a high school kid um, looking at coming to the program. You know, what's what's something that I should expect, you know, when I walk in the door and for those kids that are, you know, going on to play in college, what's something they can do for themselves to kind of give them a get your edge, you know, kind of a get your edge, you know, message to those kids of, you know, they're they're going into college, which is, you know, different than, than what they've expected. So what's something that you know, kids can expect when they, when they come to Eau Claire, but also something that they can do for themselves to be ready to rock and roll. Here's the biggest thing I tell every recruit on campus. It would be awesome if you were coming to Eau Claire 
to lift weights and sprint with me. But my guess is you're coming here to play your sport, right? So when you step on campus, you better be ready to play. Okay. Because when, whatever, it doesn't matter what sport it is. As soon as you get here, you're going to be starting to do some sort of captain's practice, whether it be, you know, if it's a fall sport, you're going to be starting practice right away and you better be ready to play. Uh, let's say I'm a baseball or softball player. Oh, okay. Baseball, softball players. I need to be able to run really fast from home to first, right? You're probably going to get times taken on that stuff. You better be ready to sprint, right? You better have sprinted over the summer. You better be ready to play. Have you taken ground balls? You know, if I'm a wrestler and I'm coming in, you know, you're going to be wrestling against our college guys in open mat time, like pretty much right away. So if you're ready to take on a, a senior, a fourth year senior who, you know, might squat five, 600 pounds as you go through it, you know, at your weight class, whatever it is, like you better be ready to wrestle. All right. So as you go through this, that's the biggest thing is, you know, when they come into our program from a strength perspective, we're not coming in one rep maxing them in back squat, or we're not sprint 40 yard testing or anything. We might take a couple of jumps numbers initially or body weights and things like that, but don't expect it to get crazy tested. Like those first weeks for us, it's going to be basic progressions. We go through it. We want to clean up movement technique. We want to address any deficiencies you have. And we're going to take you through a basic progression of exercises to make sure that we're good with how you're moving before we assess some of these different capabilities and qualities. So the biggest thing I can tell you is be ready to play your sport. You know, we're going to send you out a full summer program when you're, when you commit in May, um, that'll take you through the entire year. And basically I tell everybody, if you can move really well with some load and that stuff, and you can sprint, you could jump, you're going to be in a great spot. All right. I can, uh, I can, be speak ready to being, I can speak to, be, to say being ready to play. I know when I went to, and this was, 20, 30 years ago when I went to Oshkosh, you know, it was, you know, you got on campus. I think we're, you know, we moved in on Labor Day, you know, you had, you get back into school and like Friday, you know, we were out at the field like three days in, you know, and then Saturday we're, we're, you know, we didn't have like, you didn't play fall ball games. We inter-squatted and we used to, I mean, we used to inter-squat for like five, six hours on Saturday. And, you know, you, you get through every pitcher, get, he get two innings, you know, and you get like 10, 12 at bats. And like, for me as a high school kid, we didn't, you know, you, you come to the park, you take BP and then you go play. I mean, this fall ball stuff, we start playing at 10. We were at the park at eight. I mean, yep. cause I, my roommate was Tim Jorgensen is a two-time division three player of the year. And he's like, okay, we got to go, you know, cause we were middle infielders. So like, we got to, you know, I got to learn how you do this. And I'm like for an hour and a half, I'm like taking ground balls and working with this guy I've never met before. And then my first at bat, I'm like the first guy to hit of the whole fall ball and facing Chad Kopitsky, who was a, who was an all American. You know what I mean? From the year before. And the first fastball I saw, I was like, oh my God, like this, holy shit, this is a different deal. The next one I saw, and I'm a lefty and I fouled it into the third base dugout. I was so far behind it. And so the the third pitch, I hit a line drive over the second baseman's head. It was 0-2. I think he was like, well, I'm just going to throw it by him. And I, I was like, well, I better get the bat started like now. He's like, step back. And, and so, but to your point, like I took BP like all through August to get ready. Like I had my dad throw, I had my coaches throw. It was something like I didn't want to step on the field and not be ready to play. We didn't have strength and conditioning to that level, but I would agree with what you're saying, you know, cause like in football, if you're a freshman, like the first day you're there could be your conditioning test or could be, you know, something that, you know, you have to be ready to go for those, you know, spring sports like softball and baseball and even track now, like it's, it's hit the ground running. So I, I think that's awesome. And even those other sports, like I said, they have a lot of captain's practices and things like that, where it's like, you're, you're going to separate yourself during those times. Right. Right. Hey, Zach, you've been around a ton of different sport coaches and and I have been too at the high school level. And, you know, what advice would you give those sport coaches, you know, to to really help benefit? Because a lot of sport coaches don't feel comfortable 
in the weight room setting, you know, just like strength and conditioning coaches aren't going to feel real good in, you know, in the sport coach practice, you know, but it's all about helping the athletes, you know, so, you know, you mentioned previous on this podcast and, and I, and I love it is, you know, you got to ask, you got to ask. And, and too many times my experience is, is maybe coaches maybe are a little intimidated, you know, they don't want to ask questions, but what's some great advice that you could give, you know, to all your coaches, or maybe that you give to all the new coaches, because you obviously got to see some turnover, you know, at that level and you get a new coach in and meet, meet with that coach, you know, what does that conversation look like? I mean, the biggest thing when I have anybody new come in is, especially as an assistant coach perspective, is I want you to try things. I want you to experiment with things. I want you to make mistakes. And I also want to be able to help you however I can. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And again, with that autonomy perspective, but ultimately you need to own it. You know, you need to own the results of what you're doing and realize if it's not working, if you're not getting the results you want, how can you improve it? And that's where I'm here to help as you go through. So when you think about that, you know, the, the worst phrase and the phrase that absolutely digs at me is when I hear the phrase, it is what it is. Oh, that just makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up. Because what that does is that places ownership on you know, the universe. It, it gives ownership to the, your behaviors. It, it gives all of that to somebody else or something else. It's only is what it is because you allow it to be. And what choices you make and how you change things is going to change your reality as you go through it. So for sport coaches, you know, ask, we're here to help, you know, strength coaches, again, initiate that line of communication. Everyone, as you go through it, if you initiate that line of communication, develop that relationship with that person, it's going to change all of it. But if you don't own it and you don't do it, otherwise we're just sitting back and, and complaining about other people, you know, as you go through. So we have to initiate that line of communication. That's the biggest thing because it's only going to benefit everyone, you know? Well, and I think it is what it is, gives you the impression that you're tolerating, you know, tolerating what just happened and if you don't agree with it so yeah. if you tolerate it you encourage it you know one of the I, I was just reading one of nick saban's books and this fits right in with this um i'm trying to think of how he phrased it it was it, oh, it was talking about technique it was you're either coaching it that way or you're allowing it to happen so if it's poor technique and you're not coaching them out of it you're basically allowing them to do it you know and i think a lot of times we you know as strength coaches and maybe some strength coaches that aren't, you know, I don't want to say seasoned because that's not, that's not accurate, but just sometimes you lose. Sometimes I see young coaches or, or coaches lose that knack of that's not right. We have to do it this way because almost like they don't want to offend the athlete because they keep doing it wrong. You know what I mean? But if you're allowing them to do it wrong, then, then you're the problem. You know what I mean? You're they're, they're not the problem. Like they, that's why, that's why they pay us or that's like, for me, why parents send their kids to us so we can make sure that they do it right. And I think a lot of times it is what it is, you know, is that, well, I'm, I'm okay. Just, it's okay to be just average or to just get it done versus dominate at it. Right. And from a strength coach perspective, I mean, I learned a ton, obviously in every level, but when I was at Colorado, we did a ton of force plate assessment based off of movement biomechanics and all that fun stuff. And it's amazing how technique does change how a person moves and does maximize the results as you go through it. So that you open my eyes even more to the importance of coaching technique. And I tell all of our coaches, if it doesn't matter how they do it, why are we doing it? Right. If it doesn't matter, then why, you know, there's gotta be something else we can do then because we need to do something that's going to be impactful and actually matter to the athlete as well. And Brian, you know, that's one of the things that you're just talking about that one, that communication process. And I, I think, 
you know, maybe the social media has had a huge impact on young kids, especially at my level, at the high school level, because, you know, when kids are doing an exercise, it's tough for those kids to correct it and, and to have that the communication, because I, I think they, you know, they don't want to use that negativity. And we're always preaching on, hey, you're the judge. You're the judge of that technique right now. You have to make sure they're going parallel, for example, in a squat, because they can't see it. And if you tolerate, you're encouraging it. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we have right now. And we got to hit on it every day. And I know we got a lot of coach listeners out there, but you just can't say it once and just expect that, you know, you're going to solve the problem. It's a daily thing that we are trying to, as part of our standards, part of our culture and our weight room is this is this how we do things. And if you cannot get there, you know, because maybe of some limitation, physical limitation, maybe it's a mobility issue or a core issue, then we are going to modify that exercise to get that person there. But a lot of times it's just taking that weight off, taking the weight off and developing that great movement patterns and doing an exercise the correct way. We always say the fastest way athletes to get strong is to have great technique. And not only is it the fastest way, but it's also the safest way. And that's something we're always preaching in our weight room. And I think that can help a lot of our listeners out there as coaches and athletes. If you're out there, you're doing a disservice if you allow your partner to do it wrong and you have to speak up. It's the communication process we talked about. And uh, I know it's an everyday thing. It it, it gets old. It's similar right now with masks in schools, right? Hey, pull up your mask. You know, you you say it a hundred times and, you know, maybe it's an inconvenience, but it can be done. It can be done. We just have to be consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, within your program, when you talk about culture, right, Zach is, and Dean is like, your culture is what you allow, you know, or what, you know, or it's the action, you know what I mean? And like, I, I, I agree. There's like so many places like, and I, you know, my gyms too, you know, with different sayings on the wall, but if you don't live what's on the wall, mm-hmm. like it's just decoration, you know? And it's the same thing with like coaches that want to make rules and they don't enforce force the rules. Well, we have bad culture. Well, you know, it starts with the leaders, you know, and if you have great leadership and you, as a leader, you know, we all have to accept the fact that we are going to have to have hard conversations. You just, there's just no foo-foo conversation that's going to happen every single day with every single coach, with every single athlete in every single situation. It's just not competitive sports and competitive athletics you have people with a lot of, you know, you have some egos that are involved, which, you know, everybody's got an ego. Everybody wants to win. Everybody, you know, you have strong personalities that are involved. And Zach, I think the, the best message is you got to go ask, you know, I love that, you know, and I, you have to ask, you have to, you know, if you have bad communication between you and another coach as a strength coach, sometimes, and I've fallen in this too, when I was a younger strength coach is that you sit down in your office and like that effing guy and blah, 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 blah. And I don't want to, you know, that he doesn't know. And then guess what? The sport coach is probably saying the same thing about you in their office. You know what I mean? Let's be realistic. We've all been around long enough to know that if we're doing it in our office, they're doing it in their office. And the only problem is if they're doing it in their office, they probably got a couple other sport coaches in there. And now you're kind of, now it's like strength staff versus the, the team coaches. And you never want that. So sometimes, you know, we've all had to do this. You go in and you just, you know, whether it's, talking about how the Packers did or however building communication and knowing, you know, those people you're working with, I think is so important. Well, that's where, I mean, the most basic thing, strength coaches, like, I mean, just talk to your coach about their team. Hey, how's the team doing? 
Yeah. You know, coaches love to talk about their team. It's like asking a parent about their kids. They love to talk about their kids, right? I mean, it's you go and just talk to them about those basic conversations and just, hey, you know, where's morale at? Hey, how are we doing after practice yesterday? How was practice? You know, it's just those basic conversations that are going to help build that rapport more and more too. And I think when the coach's team are struggling, that's even a better time to talk with them because a lot of times they're going to share with you their thoughts on certain players that maybe then helps you, you know, in the weight room, because if we know, you know, the kids are going to be a lot more honest a lot of times with us, but when that trust is built, then they are going to be with the head coach if they're frustrated, whatnot. So then you can, you know, be that go-between where the coaches and players may or may not even know you're doing that, but you're working that relationship to try and help, you know, mend this, this thing back together. And I think that's really important as strength coaches. We can be that, that trusted person where the coach can tell us things. We can be an ally to the coach. You want to be allies with your coaches, but you also want to be allies with your athletes and then finding a way to bring those back together, you know, I think is really important. You know, it's one of the biggest things that I always tell our sport coaches is many times, you know, athletes will tell us in the weight room because we probably spend more time you know, at certain times of the year with our athletes, they're going to tell us stuff that is, is going to help benefit the, their culture and their sport as well. And I always say, hey, use us as a resource, use us of a way to, hey, what worked well with you with this individual? You know, what, what do you see? What motivates them in the weight room? What motivates them when, you know, when you have these type of, uh, communication you know with the athlete what works what doesn't work you know can can you get after this individual can you not hear what's this person's interest and and that's the best part about being athletic you know and and having a kid experience going out for a sport is you learn from every coach and a lot of times just having that good rapport makes such a big difference in the season and if they hear it from the other person or the other sport coach we've had that where an instance where a kid will come off of football and then, you know, go to a different sport in the fall. And, you know, our, our football coaches still in, you know, having that relationship and helping that individual out through their sport, even though they're not their sport coach currently, but, you know, we're all working together for the best for the athlete and, and the sport and the program. Well, Zach, you got anything else? Uh, for our listeners, any messages you want to send to our listeners, anything like that? Everybody that that wants to play in the state should go to UWO Claire, right? Oh, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, biggest thing is just athletes, just own your performance. You know, when the lights come on, you know, you got that number on your shirt. It, your name is tied to that. You're the one who it ultimately falls with. How you take care of your training, nutrition, sleep, hydration, film, recovery, mental reps, whatever it is ultimately falls on your shoulders. So own it, embrace that. The people who own it, embrace it and can do those good things on a regular basis, you'd be amazed at the things you can accomplish. Own it. And the last thing that I would second on that, guys, is own your failures. It's okay. You're going to fail. You're going to, you, you know, you're going to lose a game. You're going to get beat as a pitcher. You know, you're going to give up a last second goal as a goalie. It's, it's going to happen. There, there's no one that's ever played competitive sports that that hasn't happened to. The last thing you want to do is the first, actually the first thing you walk off the field, start pointing fingers. You know why, you know, this happened, this happened to me because this person did this. No, own it. It's okay. You know what I mean? Cause that's how we grow. That's how, that's how everybody grows. You grow through our failures, you know, and we celebrate our successes. So Dean, anything else for coach here? He's been a fantastic guest, man. I can't, I can't wait to go visit him. No, uh, just a wealth of information. Thanks a lot, Zach. You know, we appreciate 
your friendship and and we're us getting together and going over program design and and just everything you know just to help benefit all the individuals that we work with and and that's the key whether it's at sports advantage whether i'm working with people at fox valley throws club you know there's more than just x's and o's like you said getting kids stronger jump higher run faster there's a bigger picture and um you know just awesome to have you as a friend and We'll continue to grow and continue to have that growth mindset and definitely get Brian and I, and we're going to visit that Western side of the state and definitely want to see all the great things that you've done at UWO Claire and your facilities and, and all that. Awesome. No, thank you guys again for having me on. I appreciate both you guys and everything you're doing for the state. And again, love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, you're making changes. You're changing people's lives. Zach, do you have any contact information you want to share? You know, like um, all my contact info is online. So feel free to the bluegolds.com, um, go to the staff directory and you can find, uh, my office number, uh, my email, probably email is the easiest one to, to head, to head to. So yeah, just we'll check that. it out on the website and whatever you need, happy to help. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes too. So again, for everybody, again, we're not running ads, anything like that on the show. So coaches, please share this with your athletes, athletes, share this with your coaches. If you're listening, things like that, again, Fox Valley throws club getting after it. They're going to get after it again today in the rain. Um, and whatnot, because again, you know, no rest for the wicked, right, Dino? Um, so we're really excited um, at Sports Advantage. Uh, we got in, in December 4th, Coach, we'd love to have you too. We got Laura Phelps coming, um, former Westside Barbell. Obviously, she holds numerous world records, maybe recognized as one of the best female lifters um, of all time. She's a performance coach now. She's doing a seminar, seminar at Sports Advantage, Wanakee. Um, there's a lot of great things happening within our state. We're very excited. Uh, and that's going to shut it down for this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. Tune in next time, and we will see you later. Chop it! <laughs>